Hi guys, this is Paul Konchesky and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy. Hello. Well, it's back-to-back home wins for Fulham. Magnificent Mitro and a helping hand from Lewis Dunk proved decisive as the Whites ended Brighton's unbeaten start to the season. It's eight points after five games for Fulham, putting us in sixth place in the Premier League. Joining me are Stato and Dylan to discuss victory against the Seagulls and also preview Saturday's trip to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Three-point Dunk, my name is Wigo and this is your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. Okay, guys, an unchanged lineup from Arsenal on Saturday. Uh, Stato, going to come to you. Was the lineup what you were expecting? I mean, we've got no real squad depth, have we? So uh, I'm assuming it didn't come as a surprise. Yeah, exactly. I think what we have as our starting eleven is all we have really. I mean, obviously we have there's, there's the Mbabus and the Diops. Obviously Duffy couldn't play um, against Brighton due to you know, parent club. But overall, this is our kind of our bare basic starting eleven. This is why we need reinforcements, of course. But at the same time, this starting eleven, every single one of them are playing out of their skins at the moment and Silva's getting like the maximum out of them. I don't even know why we why we would even want to change it to begin with because they're all doing their jobs perfectly. We're all playing so well. You can't fault any of them at the moment. And, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's it. And in my opinion, even after losing against Arsenal, I don't think there was anything to fix. We played really well, actually. I'm potentially unlucky not to get a draw. Um, Dylan, going to come to you. Obviously, first half against Brighton wasn't wasn't glorious. We created a couple of chances and I think it's fair to say we were probably the better team going into half-time. What did you make of that first half? Obviously, João Polina came close. Um, That was a good header, wasn't it? And it really shows that we've got something to aim for in the box this year with the height, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. He offers a new option with Mitrovic sort of in the box looking at an aerial threat. And I think set pieces are an area that we can look to to sort of... um, you know, get goals and create chances going forwards, and it's a sort of outlet that we can uh, use potentially to our advantage. Yeah, he came close in the first half, but overall, I say it wasn't really much to write home about in the in the first half. I was pleased that we managed to sort of um, limit Brighton though to the the few opportunities they had, and there was no real sort of quality opportunity that we gave away to them. So that was that was pleasing to see as well. We seem to be. Uh, making a solid start of, you know, Premier League life, especially at home, um, and making it a difficult place to come to, which is pleasing to see, and uh, long may it continue. I do have to say, after that first half, like, it was it was a very bland first half of football, and I just thought, OK, well, this is going to be a classic, you know, we're, we're a mid-table team, Brighton are a mid-table team, lower mid-table team, um, and... You know, it's just gonna be a classic nil-nil, no chances, boring midnight uh, midweek game. But then that second half, it just <laughs> right from the get-go, it was a completely different game. It really was a game of two halves, and it 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 was just this that second half was just so enjoyable to watch it. I think. Yeah, and it's that second half we're going to come on to now, Stato. Um, 
a Mitrovic goal. It took three minutes for that to come. That's five goals in five games in the Premier League. And, you know, he scored his 101st goal for Fulham, 100th league goal. Um, it's, it's a crucial, crucial goal, really, because, you know, it gave us a lot of confidence. Um, Stato, what's your reaction in the build-up to that goal? Bobby Reid's getting a lot of plaudits for his intelligence there. But, you know, Mitrovic was in the right place at the right time as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and that's exactly what you want. In, you know, that, that's exactly what a, an, an instinctive striker should be, just in that right place at that right time. The build-up to the goal, I, I, you know, I didn't think it would amount to much. You know, the corner came in, not much happened. They headed it clear. And, you know, it, it fell to Cabano, Cabano on the edge there. And I think it was a shot that he did by the looks of things. It was a, it was a very bad shot, but it turned into a wonderful assist. And, you know, Mitro... The form he's in, he's just in that right place at the right time. Can't do it in the Prem though, apparently, can he? You know, according to all the the pundits and all the bookmakers and all the casual football fans, it's it's so good to see just to see him prove everyone wrong. We we all knew this as Fulham fans. We knew that what Mitrovic was about. We knew that he would he would score goals in the Prem, and it is just so rewarding to see this actually come to life now and, and see all of this actually happening. It's it's. It's enjoyable to be a Fulham fan in the Premier League again, which is something I don't think we've been able to say for at least 10 years now. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, looking from our perspective on the outside, fans do seem to only have a memory that goes back two years rather than four years when Mitrovic did, in fact, score 11 goals in the Premier League. So it shows how fickle football fans are, really. Um, Dylan, yeah, just... Your points on Mitrovic, really, you know, I've seen a few people on Twitter are starting to backtrack on their opinions already, and it's the end of August. I mean, how crazy is that? He's just a completely different animal under Marco Silva, isn't he? Yeah, I have to admit to backtracking on my opinion on Mitrovic as well. I thought he might score 15 goals this season, but the way he's heading, I think it could be 20 or 25. <laughs> he's, he's got off to a sensational start, you know, and he's... he's um. Learning the Premier League game by game, he was in the uh, the right position after Niskins Cabano, um, you know, his, uh, his shank Sinatra, I like to call it. Uh, I'm sure it was a shot, which uh, turned into a, an amazing cross for him, and he was just there to tuck it home. But yeah, he's uh, been incredible for us, and he looks, this season he looks leaner, he looks fitter, and I just, we're going to every single game, and I think he's going to score, Um well, the only game he hasn't scored in so far was that Wolves one, and that's only because he uh, let the keeper save his pen. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can I can forecast I'm forecasting another goal against Chelsea, for sure. Don't know about this weekend, but yeah, really excited to see what he's going to do this season. The, the memories he's going to give us. It's not it's not just his attacking output though. He's actually tracking back so far. I mean, in some mm. points in the game, he, he was pretty much in front of the defence, and you could see he was dribbling it out with confidence. He was putting the challenges in. He his all round game is is sensational at the moment, and. You know, when we have a player like him in this form, you know, it just makes things that just that much better for us. And that I don't, I don't want to say easier because it's not easy in the Prem, but it it does kind of reduce the pressure pressure a bit on the rest of the team when we have our star man playing so well like he is at the moment. Oh, definitely, yeah. He led from the front yesterday. Like the pressing was so good from the whole team. It was amazing. But yeah, he led by example, and it was a sort of display I could get used to seeing week in week out. And just following on from that, guys, is there a danger that we'll become too reliant? Obviously, last year we had goals coming from everywhere and 43 goals out of 106 in the end was fantastic, but I felt like we could cope without him. This season, 
we would we struggle if he gets injured to either of you? I think, you know, that's an interesting question. It's one of those things that we won't know until we see that happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen. You know, fingers crossed he plays all 38 games in every single minute, but that, you know, that may not be the case. And, you know, at the moment, looking at us, looking at the squad, you wonder what would happen if you got injured. Well, you know, Bobby would probably come into the middle. When we get a new winger in, he'd probably go out wide. And then, you know, would playing Bobby, Decker, Dover, Reed up front have the same effect as Mitrovic up front? Obviously not. The work rate would be there, but you're missing a lot of other attributes. But I think the way that Silva has this team set up, they're all putting 110% in each game. Like, he's got them... You know, they'd die for him probably. He, he, they would go to war for him. So, although we would lose Mitrovic and, and we wouldn't have that firepower, I would still have faith in this team. You know, to, to fight, to scrap, and get something from you know from a game. Yeah, and following on from Mitrovic's goal, it took seven minutes for Fulham to make it two 0 with a helping hand from Brighton captain Lewis Dunk. I mean, I know he was going to sign for us about seven years ago, but um, it's a bit late now, mate. Um, it was great work by Fulham, you know, from a Brighton corner as well. Mitrovic doing really well and obviously drawing that foul as well, and then Pereira, Cabano, all on the break. Um, Dylan, what's your reaction to that second goal? Because obviously, I was not expecting it at all, um, and I don't think Robert Sanchez was either. Yeah, no, I was quite taken aback by it because I was, I'm in the Hammersmith end, so they were running towards me, sort of countering down the field. And I think it was, was it Pereira who whipped the ball in or was it Cabrera? with the cross. It yeah. was one of those, one of, yeah, one of those, Pereira. And um, yeah, it was just um, a great finish by Dunk to start with. Um, low, fast, past the keeper, came off his knee and it was just sort of, I was thinking it'd be great if we could get a second at some point in the game. And I was uh, I was delighted it came so soon, and obviously the way the rest of the game panned out, lucky that um, lucky that we got it in the, the circumstances. But uh, yeah, just so it felt so nice when that went in. I thought we're tuning up against a team who haven't lost, and I for once I felt like we weren't going to blow it, which I'm, I don't really know why I felt like that. But I just I felt really confident for some reason, which is weird. I mean, I'm used to sort of seeing Fulham go a couple goals up and then feeling, oh, the game's not won yet, but I felt sure we'd take home three points last night after that second goal went in. Yeah, absolutely. It was a confidence booster. But, um, you know, the pessimist in me was still a little bit apprehensive after uh, what happened against Brentford when we went 2-0 up. And, you know, five minutes later, we gave Brighton the chance to get in, get back into it. Bobby Reid conceding the penalty after a foul on Purvis Estupinian. I think I've pronounced that right. Um, Stato, when I was watching it, from where I was, it didn't look like a pen. I couldn't really see much, to be fair. But then watching the highlights, right decision, wasn't yeah. it? The, one of the things the referee, one of the things the referee actually got right for the night, don't you think? Yeah. So you know, obviously there was a bit of um, bit of news going around that this ref, this was his first ever Prem game, and he he was below average. I think uh, I don't want to say he was bad because that might be a bit harsh on him, but he got a lot of things wrong. He was a bit cautious with giving out fouls and cards, um, probably because, you know, nerves, first game and whatnot. And, yeah, but, you know, that penalty, he didn't give it originally. Um, so, you know, you could you could say that's another mistake from him. But then you look at the replay and, we, yeah, you can't really, <laughs> you can't really uh, defend it, to be honest. It was, a, it was a clear penalty. Nothing malicious in it, of course. It was just an unfortunate thing where Bobby didn't see the player behind him and, 
went to kick it away, got there in front of him and accidentally booted him in the back of the leg. And it was a penalty and it was unfortunate. Um, what was also unfortunate um, was that Leno almost got there. It was a good pen in the corner, but Leno was almost there. And that would have been such a, that would have been a, that would have been a great start to his career if he, if he had saved that pen. But wasn't to be, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I think Bobby Reed's only potential argument was that he was looking at the ball the entire time as well. And there was a great video I saw on Twitter earlier. Someone from the Riverside stand filmed all the players behind the referee watching the screen. And you can hear Mitro shouting and Harrison Reed all trying to get in the refs here. But um, it was to no avail, unfortunately. And as you said, Leno was uh, Leno was really close. And coming on to... The other chances in the game, I mean, we could have killed that game off. We could have won about 5 or 6-1. Dylan Cabano had a great chance, didn't he, after the ball fell straight into his feet from Robert Sanchez. Um, do you think he panicked a little bit? I suppose he wasn't expecting it, was he? Yeah, no, I, I remember seeing it. I think he's just panicked and he wasn't expecting the ball to come to him, so he's just reacted. But uh, it was soon after the penalty, if I remember correctly, and I just remember seeing him just... He could have taken a touch and then slotted it in, but he decided to go sort of first time on the volley type thing, and he's uh, it's gone sort of high and wide of the post. And I just remember thinking he has to score that because it felt like then they could come back and um, and get something, and then that would be sort of a key moment in the game where if he'd taken his time and a touch and like a proper shot, it'd be three three one, and it would have been a lot a lot more of a com- a lot. Sorry, yeah. A much more comfortable last half hour. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, Bobby Reed had a chance, which he put straight into Rosehead of the Hammersmith end. So, uh, you know, hope everyone was all right back there. And then Kearney at the end, a bit more composure. We could have seen the game off. But it was a nervy ending, but we really had to fight for it. Stato, it was a relief when that full-time whistle went, wasn't it? Yeah, big time. I think, you know, there was nervy, but at the same time, I... I wasn't particularly worried that we were going to concede because we were doing a really good job of just, you know, stifling Brighton and, you know, not, not giving them any chances. There was that, there's like, must've been like a four minute period where it was just in the corner flag and we just kept it there. And it's that type of confidence and the way that we're, that progressive style of play that we're playing that, you know, gives me that assurance that we can see out games in the Premier League like this. I think, you know, back in 2020-21, well, going to New up would have been quite a miracle to begin with, but I wouldn't have had that confidence that we, we would have been able to see it out. There would have been that, you know, there was that, always that weakness or that, you know, fragility that was always there. But with this team in this season, I, I don't see that at all. I see a team that is looking to compete, looking, that looks like they belong in the Premier League and, you know, can easily see out a 2-1 gritty win on a Tuesday night and you know it was that was really good and encouraging to see I think yeah absolutely we look at home in the Premier League in my opinion and uh, we're here to stay we're not just here to make up the numbers this season and a number of players contributed to that last night Jao Polina again absolutely fantastic and no yellow card surprisingly so I think he's on three bookings at the moment um, but I mean I don't know what the quickest to get what the quickest player to get a suspension is, but um, I reckon if he got another one last night, he'd be fairly close to the record. Um, Robinson, again, fantastic as well. Dylan, I was a fair critic of Robinson last season, even though I think that's being generous. Um, 
He's been brilliant, hasn't he? And I think Kazawa will coming in potentially will only push him on, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I think I think uh, critical is putting it lightly. Uh, some of the stuff I saw from Jorn Robertson last year, but yeah, he's been amazing this season. Uh, I often describe him as a loose cannon. Like he can run up the other end of the pitch very fast from left back, but I'm never quite sure what the ball is going to do when it comes off the end of his boot. It's either going to fly onto Mitrovic's head or kill somebody in the Riverside stand. Um, so it's really lucky we've had no fans there for the past three years. Um, but yeah, he was amazing last night. He's been, he's looked, he's looked better this season than he has in the championship, which is a bit weird. I'm not quite sure how that works, but I'm not complaining. Uh, long may it continue. As for like, Kazawa, uh, he seems like some top level competition. He's um, played in the French league for a great side. Uh, I think is he the first ever player to play with Lionel Messi and Mitrovic? I don't know. There's probably another <laughs> out there. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the team when he plays. Yeah, absolutely. He'll he'll be a good signing, I think. And Stato, I want to mention Tim Ream as well, just very briefly. Another fantastic performance yet again. A lot of Fulham fans doubted him. I'll probably say myself included as well. As much as I love him, I didn't think he had the ability. Um, he's really, really telling the critics to do one, isn't he? And yes. potentially putting himself in the frame for a World Cup place with the US as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I too was one of those pers- was one you know of the many fans that critiqued him, questioned whether he was Premier League you know, quality. I think you know the last two seasons, first season he started injured, so he came in quite late, and by then we were already shit. And in twenty twenty one, you know we had he who must not be named in charge, who's now at the job centre, and he, you know he never really gave him a fair chance either um and now he's got been given this actual proper chance in a premier league team in a in a well-organized coherent team and you know he's thriving and you know he's 34 years of age you know we all thought you know that that would be it he's going to retire you know he's going to he's going to finish the championship season he's got us promoted and he's going to go out in a blaze of glory and you know sail off into the sunset back to the mls or something but he decided to stick around for another year and again, we all thought, oh, he's not going to play much. He'll be more of a coaching role, more of that kind of mole support leadership at the training ground. But no, nope, he's playing, and you could argue he's he's the most informed centre-back ahead of Tosin at the moment. Not that Tosin's doing anything wrong, but Ream is just being in, is just playing in superb form at the moment. And we brought two new centre-backs in, in Diop and Duffy. Neither of them, obviously Duffy couldn't play yesterday, but neither of them are within a stiff of display, of displacing him at all. And, yeah, I think that just goes to show how good of a coach Silver is. And, you know, he's instilling that belief into these players. And it's just great to see. And, you know, having that confidence, it's confidence it starts from the back. And, you know, seeing that among our defence and among, you know, our goalkeeper, it's just breeding that confidence. And it's, it's, it's just really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And long may it continue. Okay, guys, Stato, I just want to come to you quickly. Um, who's your man of the match for last night, if you can pick one? <laughs> I mean, yeah, everyone was superb, but obviously it has to go to one man who was you know, simply sensational. That is, of course, Mitrovic. He scored the goal. He was, you know, just didn't put a foot wrong all game. It was just, just fantastic. And yeah, it has to be him for me. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Uh, that's a brilliant choice, to be fair. Dylan, do you agree with Stato or you've got someone else lined up? 
Yeah, no, I'm, I've got to agree with Stato on that one. Surely it's Mitrovic. Uh, great game last night, led, from, led by example from the first whistle. Uh, five goals in as many games now. The man is on fire, and he's my man of the match. I mean, it'll be a bit boring if I pick Mitrovic as well, but I would struggle to pick anyone else. I think special shout to Anthony Robinson as well, though. Um, but yeah, I think that's a hat-trick for Mitrovic and hopefully not the first hat-trick for him this season as well. Let's see if he can get some on the pitch. OK, guys, we are going to take a short break and then after this we will come back and talk about transfer deadline day. Fulham. OK, and welcome back. We are talking about transfers now. And Fulham love a transfer deadline day deal, don't they? I mean, I saw a stat earlier, the total summer deadline day transfers since 2002. And Fulham were well ahead for players in. 35 players in on transfer deadline day. And that is compared to Spurs, who are the next highest with 26, along with Stoke Wigan as well. Um, Stato, I'm expecting it to be a busy one tomorrow. I reckon four or five players coming in. What do you think? It always is with us. I think uh, our transfer policy and the way we conduct transfers is very questionable at times. And the people who are in charge of it and the people who who aren't involved with it, who get a lot of slack for it, um, you know, they do they do things in a very questionable way. But when it comes to transfer deadline day, it's exciting. Um, And we do tend to get a few bargains over the line. And I think you know, four to five players is about right. Two of them are more or less confirmed at this point, I think, um, with Kazara and Willian coming in. So that's two of them. Another three coming in, um, I would like to think another winger, centre midfielder, backup striker. That's my ideal wish list. But, you know, (laughs) as we've seen in previous deadline days, we get random players in that haven't been linked at all we haven't been linked with at all and they just appear out of nowhere so who knows what we can expect tomorrow it's going to be an absolute lottery but hey it's going to be exciting okay yeah and you said about wingers there stato obviously the news broke late last night that justin clivert's move to fulham had collapsed due to a work permit not being granted now you would have thought that the board or recruitment team or whoever's in charge of transfers would have checked that he was eligible for a bloody work permit before going through four or five weeks of negotiations for it to collapse two days before the deadline. What's your reaction to it? <laughs> you would have you you would have thought that, wouldn't have you? That you know a basic work permit check would you know would have been done. But I, I mean, this isn't me defending them, but it's. Checking that the fact that he wasn't eligible for a work permit isn't something that you'd necessarily check because, well, he's a player. He played 20-odd games last year for his loan club, Nice. He was playing games for Leipzig the year before that. Maybe there was that assumption that oh, he's been playing games, he's 23, he's Dutch. Should be easy to get a work permit, but it was only when you start to look at the nitty-gritty and indeed people on Twitter have, you know, looked up all the rules, looked up all those kind of different points that players get allocated when, um, to you know, to get Brexit points or whatnot. So I think it's like you get 10 points if you play over a certain threshold of minutes in the league, which and it, it gets very complicated and very technical very quickly. And 
again, I'm not defending them, but you know, I can understand why they wouldn't have checked that because they would have just assumed it would have been okay. But then at the same time, it's part of you. Surely that is just due diligence to make sure that whoever we sign, whoever's on our radar, you know, I'm sure we have a giant database or spreadsheet of all these different transfer targets and players. And one of the kind of thresholds or one of the, you know, the parameters would be, are they eligible for a visa? And if that's not, then that's a bit worrying on our behalf that we don't check the things like that. And yeah, ultimately, it's really frustrating that it's happened because I thought I think he could have been quite a good signing. Um, our transfer policy at the moment is signing players that Silver wants to sign, but it's also a lot of players that seem to be out of favour at clubs. So, you know, Andreas was out of favour at United. Duffy was there and Babby wasn't playing much at Wolfsburg. And Cliver would have been another one of those players that, you know, didn't was out of favour. He's still young. He still has a point to prove. And, you know, I'm almost certain that Silva would have been able to get a tune out of him and would have been able to, you know, turn him into a really good player. And it's a shame that it's ha- it hasn't happened now. And, yeah, we've now got one day to try and find an adequate replacement. I'm sure there's a list, long list of players that we're after, but, you know, now we're going to the next player down on that list. And whoever that may be, we've now got a day to sort out a deal and get that over the line. Yeah, it leaves us scrambling, doesn't it? And I suppose my only saving grace from that is that, you know, famously in 2020 when we got promoted back to the Premier League, Wackham Anderson was our fourth choice centre-back, fifth choice centre-back. And obviously, even though we ended up getting relegated, he turned up turned out to be fantastic and is a stalwart in Crystal Palace's uh, centre-back pe- position. So um, you, you never know, we could uncover a gem from uh, going down to fourth or fifth choice on the wing. Um going to come to you first, Dylan. I want to. I want you to give me a player who you would like us to sign, realistically, of course, tomorrow, and then just a brief summary as to why you want us to sign them. Uh, a player I'd like to see us sign tomorrow um, would be the Olympic Lyonnais midfielder, Hossem Aouar. Um, I just think he'd be a great sort of addition to our current midfield options and he'd... Um, help solve a few depth issues we've got going on there. I do like the three we have at the moment starting, you know, Pereira, Polina and Harrison Reed. Um, I don't know, but the jury's out on Chalabra in the Premier League. He was awful against Crawley, uh, but then he seemed to do all right in his sort of cameos against Arsenal and Brighton. And I think Aouar has a really good, really good pedigree for the level. He's been linked with teams such as Arsenal and Manchester United in the past, and he seems to have performed at a fairly consistent level for Leon over the past few seasons now. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see us try and get him in if it's possible. Yeah, Stato, what about you, mate? Who's uh, who's your ideal signing? I think, uh, look, obviously there's all the links that we've seen. We've seen Alwa, we've seen Roxara and Williams happening. The latest one is Raul de Tomas, um, the Spanish striker. But one outside one that I think might potentially happen is maybe Lucas Moura from Spurs as our other domestic loan. Now, it looks like Spurs are looking to move him on for whatever reason. I think it's crazy. I think it's a great backup to have. But, you know, they, they have Kane, Son, Kulusevski, and now they've got Richarlison. And they're looking at bizarrely signing Dan James for whatever reason. Um, so that puts Moura out of favour. And he has been linked with the move away. And recently, as of today, uh, we're recording this on the, on the Wednesday, he has been linked with Aston Villa. But I reckon we might be able to kind of swoop in there and offer a little season-long loan. And, you know, we're based in London, Spurs are based in London. He wouldn't have to move at all. 
It's Brazilian, which you know works well for the Portuguese language, and he's a really class quality player. You know, if anyone that's watched Premier League or watched Spurs um, in recent years, Lucas is a top quality player to have. Direct, quick, he would fit our system really well, and it's a bit of a long shot, but. I reckon, I reckon we might be able to pull it out of the bag. And if we do, that's a really top quality signing we can get on board. Yeah, absolutely. I think if he's available, we should definitely be on that. And as you said, Brazilian as well. Um, I was going to say LR until Dylan nicked it. So I'm going to say Ismail Assar instead. Now, I would wonder if that would be a loan with an option to buy or something, if we could negotiate that, because... I mean, Villa agreed like a twenty-five million pound fee or something, and obviously that deal collapsed. Um, I'm not sure how on the brink we are with FFP, so that might be tricky. But I do feel like he could add something to the squad. And I, I saw we were linked with Dan James. I mean, come on, and twenty million quid as well. I mean, even for us, that would be a stupid deal, in my opinion. And I'd be very surprised if any Fulham fan thinks it's a good deal. I'm just going to cover your back here, Wigo, in that if Dan James does happen, uh, Dan, welcome to the club. We, we fully support you and uh, we had no doubts about you to begin with. <laughs> if he's in a Fulham shirt, I'll back him all the way. But but until then, until then, it's a no. Um, yeah. Right, and then outgoings, guys. One thing that come this, one move that came this evening, which I knew was going to happen, but I was still very sad, was Joe Bryan to Nice. Uh, Stato, have Nice gained probably now the best left-footed player in the French top division. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it was, it's sad, but it's understandable. I think looking at it, obviously Robinson's in great form, but the fact that Brian hasn't made any of the matchday squads and he didn't play massively under Silver in the championship to begin with under Silver, it was kind of, it was going to happen. happen. It was inevitable. He he's a Fulham legend through and through, and we will absolutely love and adore him. And I really do, I really do hope he smashes it in France. You know, it's not often you get to see an English player decide to go abroad and you know play in a foreign league. But you know, Joe Bryan in Nice, sipping coffee, reading books in the French Riviera—that's that's so him. And I really hope he does well, and I hope he enjoys his time out there. Yeah, absolutely, and near Monaco as well. So uh, no taxes for Joe for the next year. Uh, Dylan, another link, Cavalero to Olympiacos. Now, it was told that he, it was said that he wasn't keen on the move, um, but I read today that it's getting closer. So has he seen that Abubakar Kamara is getting nowhere near the squad and is now all of a sudden keen on a move to Greece? Um... Well, I've I've an idea that he's um, you know he's not he's not going to play if he uh, if he stays right. He's not got a squad number this season. Obviously, his preferred number seventeen was taken by Bernd Leno. I don't actually remember the last time I saw him play for us, but I think off the top of my head, it might have been that five-one um, away to Huddersfield at the start of last season. But um, I just I was never convinced by him in a Fulham shirt, save for maybe two three weeks when he first signed. But he's Another one of those long list of players that just haven't uh, lived up to their um, to the pre-build hype that they came with, and I think uh, a move could do him good, and maybe, maybe just maybe he'd end up in the Premier League again one day. But it does seem a very long shot now. Playing with Olympia uh, for Olympiacos with a Bubakar Kamara, you know, we never know. Uh, do you know Thomas Eisfeld or uh, Nikolai Bodorov may end up there next? 
<laughs> this it's a gathering of Fulham rejects. And then obviously you've seen Knockart. Last rumour there was Bordeaux, I believe. That one seems to have gone a bit quiet. Josh Onomer has been linked with the championship. I think I read QPR. So could be a potentially good move for him. Get his confidence back. And then Paolo Gazaniga and Marek Rodak have both been linked with moves away as well. So, you know, could we be searching for a backup goalkeeper tomorrow, Stato? Yeah, that's an interesting one. At the start of the season, Rodak did say in an interview that you know if he's not getting the game time he wants and needs, he will look for a move away. And he started the season. He started very well, and you know really had no reason to be dropped. But Leno is he's a class keeper, and he's been here for two games and kind of exudes confidence, and he's already pulled some good saves already. And it's unfortunate for Marek. And I just kind of assumed that he'll take it on the chin and he'd be our number two, but maybe he will look for a move away. I think he was linked with a move to French Club Troyes, um, or Trois, or however you say it. Um, my French accent is shocking. Um, and if that happens, you can't really blame him because he wants game time. So then I would have just assumed that Gazaniga would be our number two, but he's now been linked with a move to Girona. Interestingly, both those teams, I think, are part of the City Football Group. They're all owned by Man City. Um, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. But I would imagine one of them will go. If both go, then obviously we'll definitely need to get a keeper in. But we haven't even been linked with... Well, we have been linked with the keepers this window, but as a first-choice keeper, we haven't been linked with the backup keeper. So not quite sure what will happen there. My prediction is that Rodak stays and Gazaniga goes, but I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting end to the transfer window and Fulham love a late deal as well. So um, make sure you stay up, folks, because I reckon it could be a late one tomorrow. All right, we're going to take a short break and then part three, we'll be looking ahead to Spurs away. Fulham. Okay, guys, looking ahead to Saturday at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I mean, beautiful ground. I've I've been once for the American football. Um this will be the first time we've played there as well when fans have been allowed in. Stato, going into Saturday, how would you how do you see Fulham lining up? In my opinion, it's got, got to be unchanged again. I, I mean, do you agree? I hope so. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. I mean, it has to be for many reasons. Obviously, we're playing great. The team's great. There's no reason to change it. Um, and then also, as we mentioned earlier on the pod, still don't have that many options and obviously we'll get new signings over the line on Thursday but I wouldn't imagine anyone we do sign will go straight into the starting 11 they'll start on the bench and over the course of the season they'll get integrated into the team more so I wouldn't expect to see any changes by the looks of things nobody is injured Um, I didn't see anybody limp off or have any knocks from midweek obviously the intensity that we're playing at the moment it's you know it's it must take some time on the players so you know, we did we did it on Saturday against Arsenal. We did it on Tuesday against Brighton. Doing it a third time against Spurs. Do the players have it in them? And you know, I do wonder whether maybe Mbappé will come in. Maybe we'll see Kenny get his first start. But you know, if, if all the players are still fit and ready to go, then I see no need to change it at all. Yeah, absolutely. And Dylan, at the time of recording, Spurs are currently playing at West Ham and obviously we played last night. Um, do you think that extra day could work in our favour? Because I think it could be crucial for us. 
Yeah, I reckon so. You know, the sort of style that both teams employ, you know, Spurs, uh, three at the back, four, well, four at the back this season, actually. My bad. But, you know, high-intensity, en- high high-energy system. And we play a sort of, not not to the same extent, but a similar style of football, you know, a lot of heavy pressing, winning the ball back high up the pitch. And I think, you know, the more time recovering you can get between games is only going to serve you well in going forward you know it's not a guarantee that we'll win or even get a result but um, it definitely plays into our hands the fact that we've got an extra 24 hours to recover and I'd be interested to see if that has any bearing on the game on Saturday. Yeah absolutely and obviously going into Saturday's game it will be the first time I believe that we have played against Ryan Sessegnon uh, while he's been at Spurs anyway because I believe last time we played them he was at Hoffenheim on loan Um, so that will be a nice thing for the Fulham fans, and I'm sure he'll get a good reception. That's if he starts, because at the moment his place has been shifted by uh, Ivan Perisic. Dylan, how do you think? What sort of reception do you think Sessegnon's going to get on Saturday? Uh, I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a good one. I'd be really, really surprised and a little bit disappointed if he got a bad one. I don't think you can dispute the you know the contribution he made for our club. You know, contrary to sort of Elliot Carvalho, a little bit different, but. He stayed with Fulham in the Premier League and he actually left, you know, contrary to the other two, um, Elliot and Carvalho, for a decent price. Was it £25 million we got for him? Um, so, yeah, I'd be really surprised if he um, got a bad reception, especially considering we still employ his, his, his twin brother to some extent. You know, he's out on loan at Charlton at the moment. But, yeah, I, I'm sure he'll get a good reception and I'd, uh, I'd, I'd be interested to see how he does against us if he gets on. Yeah, I mean, even Harvey Elliott clapped with Fulham fans, even though he knew he was getting abuse, sarky bastard. Um, guys, I want to get your score predictions first. Stato, what do you reckon? Oh, we're playing so well at the moment. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a buzzkill. So I'm not going to say we're going to lose, even though we could do. But I, I'm going to go for a one-all draw, I think. I think Mitchell will score again. Um and probably Harry Kane for them and you know one all draw away from this Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that's another good result I think that we'll get yeah Dylan how about you mate oh um I think you know whilst the optimism is still here which I thought it would all be gone by the end of August um you've just got to make the most of it haven't you so I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say we will win 2-1 not entirely sure how confident I am about that happening but I've just got a good feeling at the moment about Fulham, I would say Mitrovic to score again and a, a proper first goal for Pereira and probably Harry Kane for Spurs. And if you put a fiver on that, you, you would get nothing back. <laughs> well, you know, pushing for a European place, obviously we've got to go for it. Um, I'm also going to say one all. I think I would be getting ahead of myself if uh, I said we'd win, but I'm going to try and be optimistic. But it's going to be a really tough game. Um Dylan, we've got Spurs, Chelsea and Forest in September. How many points do you see us getting and how many points would you be happy with? Oh, um, do you know, I think we could get... I think far, I think we'll get five points in September. I don't think... I can't see us losing at the moment, which is really, really strange because it's Fulham in the Premier League, you know... Not, not saying we should be losing, but a lot of the teams we're going to play this season are just better than us. They're sort of, um, you know, quality-wise in most departments they're better. But I've just got a good, a good feeling, like I said, 
about Fulham. I think the Spurs win is a little bit of an ambitious shout, but I'm going to stick with it for now. Chelsea, uh, it'd be ironic if we did anything other than lose to them because I think I've seen so many Fulham versus Chelsea, Chelsea versus Fulham games at stadiums in the past and we've not won a single one. We've drawn a handful and lost the rest. But I can't make the game next Saturday, so the chances of a positive result are probably automatically increased. And as for Forest, Friday night, we, it's winnable, uh, but it's a tough place to go, you know. As Spurs, Spurs and West Ham, two teams to go there this, so far this season. I thought they they played very well in both games. Obviously, only got the three points against West Ham, but we'll do well to go there and get a win. So I'll go for five with a draw against Chelsea and a win from one of Spurs or Forest and a draw from the other who we don't win against. Lovely. And yeah. Stato, what's your uh, thoughts? So. My head says three points. I think we need to go to Nottingham Forest and we need to get a win. And although I said we get a draw against Spurs, Spurs and Chelsea, that's, that's two of the big six. And we narrowly lost to Arsenal and we're playing so well. And I, I, There is that positivity there, but if we lose, we do lose to those games. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in losing. Um, at least if we don't lose 9-0, that is. Um, so I think you know my heart is saying three, but my, my head is saying three. But my heart, I uh, I think yeah, four points. I, I I think we'll get a draw, Spurs or Chelsea. That we'll get at least one point from those two games. I don't know which one, but I think I think there, there, there are points up for grabs there, and we'll get something from one of those games. And, you know, four points from those three games, I think, is a fantastic return. Three points is a fantastic return on the face of it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going for around that area. I just don't know where that's going to come from. But the way we're playing, we could get nine for all I know. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I was a bit shocked to learn that we only had three games in September, to be fair, but international break... Um, yeah, I think I think four, three or four points is what we'll go for. Yeah, I think I'd be happy with I'd be happy with three, but four would be brilliant. I think to go into the international break on twelve points would be brilliant. And I'm looking at it as if we can go into the World Cup on twenty twenty two points, I'd be very very happy. I think that's a realistic target as well at the moment uh, for us. And October could be considered a favourable month. But October's the yeah. big month. I remember when fixtures came out, I saw October and I was like, right, that is the month where we need to get the results. This is before we've had this fantastic August where we were already on eight points. I wasn't expecting us to be on eight points by now. Yeah. But then I look at that October and it's like, right, that's where we get our, that's where our meat and potatoes is. That's where, that's where we pick up those points. That's where we need to get what we need to get. And, and, and having, having eight points now makes Saturday a free hit, doesn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, exactly. And this is where we failed in 2020-21. In that season, we got some good results. You know, we we drew with Spurs and that was a good result. And we beat Liverpool and we we drew with Liverpool. And they were really good results against the big teams, but we didn't get the results where it mattered. I remember when we played Brighton that season at home and we got a 0-0 draw. It was a huge debate in the Fulham Focus chat about whether that was a good result or not. And people saying, no, Brighton at home... They're the types of games we should be winning. But then people were like, oh, point's good. And, you know, it turned out that it wasn't a good result. And we were, there was too many, there was too much of that. You know, we didn't we didn't beat the Burnleys. We didn't beat Brighton or Southampton, 
Palace. They're the games. They're the games that you need to win, especially at home. And we didn't do that. We didn't do the basics. And you know, in a in a club in a, a club like Fulham, who've just got promoted, the way I see it, games against the big six, any points you get, they're the bonus points. They're you know, we're expected to lose those, unfortunately, because you know the big six are so big now, and they're such such deep squads with all this quality that losing to them is almost a given and anything that you do get is a good bonus but then for us it's that mini league against the other 14 or probably even the other 9 or 10 because there's teams on the fringes there that you know will be tough to get points against but those those teams that will be in and around us they're the games that we need to get wins and so far we are doing that Brighton and Bre- Brighton and Brentford fantastic wins that's what we need to do more of so yeah like you said Spurs is a free hit but that doesn't mean we should just go in there expecting defeat, setting up defensively, damage limitation, things like that. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be going in there and playing the game, and that's what we did against Arsenal, and that's why we did it so well. And if we could just keep if we keep it with that mentality, then we will get those bonus points against these big teams. And you know, we will just pick up those points throughout the seasons, which is what we should be doing if we want to stay up. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a fantastic start and long may it continue. Right, well, that's your lot for this week, folks. Thanks to Stato and Dylan for joining me for this one. By the time this goes out, it'll be transfer deadline day. So I expect Fulham Twitter to be in full flow for that, as it's not deadline day without some Fulham activity after all. We'll see you on Saturday at Spurs. Cheers. Fulham.